episode 22 of the Swish Podcast. The Toronto Raptors, one win away from their first NBA title as a franchise. And man, what can I say? The things I hear on a day-to-day basis living in Canada, living an hour away from Toronto are borderline outrageous. Some of the takes out of Raptor Nation make me want to rip my hair out. I scream about it frequently through multiple group chats I have. And some may be beginning to call me a Raptor hater. In no way, shape, or form do I hate the Toronto Raptors. In no way, shape, or form do I dislike the Toronto Raptors. In no way, shape, or form do I dislike the Toronto Raptors fan base in the way that they root for their team. But, sometimes, and sometimes being a lot of the time, lately, and over the course of the past, we'll say four years, playing LeBron James in the playoffs every year, I have heard some of the dumbest things in my entire life come out of the mouths of Raptor fans. For the most part, this fan base is delusional. For the most part, it stems from their entire media, their broadcasting crew, Matt Devlin, Jack Armstrong, Leo Routens, and all the way down. They work hard. I'll give them credit, they work hard. They love the Raptors. They perfectly emulate what it means to root for the home team. But it comes with a certain uneducated bias. An unfiltered, unadulterated, straight ahead, stuck in your ways view on basketball that unfortunately has dripped down and infected the veins of this wonderful, enriched Toronto Raptors fan base. I love y'all, Toronto. I love the city. I love the way, the passion that you root for the team. I grew up, I was there. I, believe me. When, when I say I was there, I was there for the... For the Chris Bosh era Raptors. I was there when we took Bargnani first overall in 07. Or 2006. I was there for the Mo Pete years. I remember Joey Graham coming up. Built like Andre Iguodala. Coming out of the same draft. Coming out of the same draft. Thinking that this was the next premier. Potentially 3 and D wing in the league. I was there for the Jalen Rose years. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. My dad has a picture on his phone. Eight years old. I'm not... Eight years old, I took a black Sharpie permanent marker and decided it would be a good idea to draw a goatee on my bare skin eight-year-old face because Jalen Rose had a goatee. I was there for the Jalen Rose years. Okay? I was there for the Danielle Marshall years. I was there when he was ripping bongs in in the locker room before the game, on the flight, everywhere. 
if we took a test of the, the, the redness level of every NBA player ever, the redness level in their eyes while they played, Danielle Marshall would be number one, or in the 99th percentile. I was there for the Danielle Marshall days. I was there when Sam Mitchell would give his infamous interviews post-game. Team played hard. Got a lot of rebounds. We just didn't win the game. Yeah, that was the 2008 coach of the year. Sam Mitchell. I've struggled through Jose Calderon. Literally allowing 88 points per game from opposing guards. Because he can't sprint. I was there when we thought Charlie Villanueva could average 25 points per game. I was there for all of it. The Colangelo days. The Sky Dome days. What we now call the Scotiabank Arena. Is it the Scotiabank Arena or the Scotiabank Center? I'm so disgusted, I don't even know. I was there when we called that the ACC. And it'll always be the ACC to me. So you Raptor fans out there today that are calling me a Raptor hater, saying that I don't root for your team, saying that I don't root for the home country, that is not true. Go look at my Twitter, Rabbi. Go look at my phone background. It is Vince Carter with a Raptors jersey because Vince Carter helped me fall in love with the game of basketball growing up in Canada. Growing up as a kid in the early 2000s. Loving the game of basketball. But some of you, some of you Raptor fans, not all of them, because I know some smart Raptor. Kusama was on my podcast last a few days ago. He's a smart Raptor. He is not delusional. He sees basketball the right way. He's, he's unbiased with his takes. He looks at basketball from broad scope. Not all of you. But a lot of you Raptor fans that are hating on me, saying that I don't root for the home team, that isn't true. I'm just saying, some of the things I see on Twitter on a day-to-day basis, man, I, I, ju- I just, I really do shake my head. I, I do. I was on there and I saw a tweet talking about this Raptors team and if they're an all-time great team. And... They're the best Raptor team in franchise history, no doubt. Without a doubt in my mind. The, the day they traded for Kawhi Leonard, I said that. The day they did. And I know this city is starving for a championship. They haven't seen one since the Jays in 1993 with Joe Carter in the walk-off home run where one went away. But to me, the Raptors feel like a, a little more of a historical anomaly. There is no asterisk next to this championship that they potentially are, are about to finish off. But the Raptors remind me a lot more of the 2011 Mavericks. The 2006 Heat. The 1994 Rockets. The 1975 Warriors. The 79 Sonics. Teams that 
were built around one superstar. And the rest of the roster was filled out precisely to fit that superstar's needs. Said superstar is at the height of his powers. <clears throat> Excuse me. He peaks for a two to two and a half month stretch. Kawhi is peaking right now. I don't, I don't know if Kawhi can play much better than he is right now, than he has for this playoff run. The role players are doing their jobs. Let's look at Toronto's roster, the way they're built. You got Kawhi, that's their superstar. A high-energy, relentless attacker is on every championship team. That is Kyle Lowry for the Raptors. They have snipers everywhere. Okay, the Raptors shoot lights out basketball. From Kawhi to Lowry to Danny Green to Van Vliet, who, who can't miss since he gave birth to her, his child was born. They have a lot of snipers. They have a rim-protecting, skilled big in Marcus All. And they have a glue guy to fill in all the gaps in Pascal Siakam. Nick Nurse juggles this team's minutes perfectly. He's gone down to a seven-man rotation in the playoffs, at least in the last couple of rounds, and it has worked tremendously. The Raptors have found their identity. They're playing the best basketball of the season right now. It doesn't make them one of the best teams ever. I'll say, if they win a championship, every championship team's an all-time great in some way. But they're not the 2017 Warriors. They're not the 96 Bulls or the 86 Celtics or the 87 Lakers or the 72 Lakers or the 83 76ers or the 2013 Heat. You know, they're... They're, they're a middle-of-the-pack championship team. And that, and that is, again, there is nothing wrong with that, Raptor fans, if you think I'm hating. Because some of y'all will say I'm hating. Well, let's just look at their regular season. They went 58-24. and 24. I know Kawhi Leonard didn't play in 25 of those games, but they only won 58 games. Not only, but in terms of championship teams, you know, a lot of these great... We talk about the greatest teams of all time. A lot of them are in the high 60s for wins. Uh, basketball reference has developed a formula to rate teams called Simple Rating System. It takes into account a lot of factors, um, rest, home and away, opponent, everything, and it puts it into one number. The Raptors ranked third by that metric this year. They were the fifth-ranked offense and the fifth-ranked defense. Okay, so that doesn't really scream all-time great team to me. You go through their playoff run. Orlando, they handled them pretty well. Second round, Philly. Well, the Sixers, who are a good, not I'd say really good team. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't hit one of the toughest shots in NBA history, there's a real chance the Raptors don't even get out of the second round. You know, they go into Milwaukee, they steamroll in the last four games, but it becomes apparent that, you know, you get into a playoff series, sometimes you just figure guys out the the Bucks just didn't have enough enough guys, enough dogs for a playoff series. But you gotta give credit to the Raptors depth there. To me, the Raptors, it's been all about Kawhi, but their defense has been so good. They're holding opponents to forty two percent field goal shooting in the playoffs, which is second 
and 32% from downtown. It's a big reason they've gotten this far. They shut down Milwaukee's three-point attack. Um, and in this series, outside of the Splash Brothers, they've really eliminated, eliminated what Golden State loves to do, and shoot the three, move the ball, um, find easy looks. This Toronto Raptors team is great, man. They're just not an all-time great team, or an upper echelon all-time great team. But hell, do I love watching them, man. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's damn time. I know we talk about him a lot, but we really got to look at Kawhi Leonard's playoff run and talk about it, start discussing it as one of the greatest ever. Kawhi for this playoff run. He's at 31-9-4. His shooting splits are 50 from the field, 39 from downtown, 89% from the line. He's shooting 9.1 free throws per game. Shooting six three-pointers per game. He has a box plus minus over nine, He's le- which leads the playoffs. He leads the playoffs in win shares per 48 minutes. And he's going on 900 minutes played. On top of all this, he's battling knee tendonitis. He hasn't jumped off one leg the entire series. Kawhi Leonard is maybe 80% healthy right now. And has been for probably a month. Probably since that Philly series. And... Oh, my my co-host is finally joining me here. And I've never seen anything like it in my in my life. You want to come in? You want to come in? Okay, come come in after. Say hi to the say hi to the guests. So okay, we just, Colin Hand uh, just said hi. So Kawhi, back to Kawhi. Thirty-one nine and four for the playoffs. So I dropped. Uh, I did a little research. List of guys with 31 points per game for a playoff run with a minimum of 15 games played. So they at least made the conference finals. You got Jordan seven times. You have LeBron the last two years, which to me were the two best, I don't want to say playoff runs, but because, you know, like Jordan in 91 was so great, Braun in 2012, those first rings. But in terms of just the quality of basketball that LeBron played the last two postseasons, it's hard for me to say that that wasn't the best basketball I've ever seen anyone play. So Jordan seven times, LeBron the last two years, Kareem in 74, and then again in 1980, Jerry West in 1970, Allen Iverson in 01, Hakeem in 95, and Rick Barry in 1967. All those teams made the finals. Um, surprisingly, only Jordan really found a lot of success with those cha- with championships. Hakeem won in 95. Kareem's team did in 1980. Nonetheless, that's without efficiency. So just look, pure scoring, 15 games played, 31 points per game for the playoffs. It's Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Jerry West, Allen Iverson, Hakeem, Rick Barry, and now Kawhi Leonard. 
this is for a guy who, as recent as probably four years ago, we were talking about as having far from a complete offensive game. He was really more of a slasher, um, couldn't really create for himself or others all that well. Was a good three-point shooter, not great. Didn't really have, it was really his focus was on defense. Okay, and to say he doesn't have an all-around game is just absolutely absurd. So I went and looked up the 949 club. That's nine rebounds per game, 3.8 assists per game, rounds up to four. So nine four and nine free throw attempts per game. So nine four nine for a playoff run with a 450 minutes played cutoff. So you go at least two rounds. You get LeBron five times, Duncan in 03, Barkley in 93, Giannis this year, and Kawhi this year. And if you up the, uh, the baseline cutoffs, if you up it to include three-pointers three attempted, Kawhi Leonard's averaging six three-pointers attempted per game throughout this postseason. The 9496 club includes just Kawhi this year and LeBron the last two years. That's absolutely fucking incredible. Like, you don't understand. To average nine rebounds, four assists per game is, is like, you're talking, like, the most well-rounded players in NBA history. You know, the, the great LeBron, Duncan, Barkley, like... And then you throw Kawhi in there now. Then you add up it with free throws and threes to show just how much of a load this guy carries. And it's unbelievable. Um, his efficiency just doesn't drop off. I also looked up the 3162 club. 31 points per game. A true shooting percentage of 62 or higher. And a minimum of 10 games played. You have Kawhi this year. You have LeBron in 2017, and you have Kareem in 1980, and that's it. The 3162 club consists of three guys LeBron, Kareem, and Kawhi. I, I'm just trying to take in just, just how insane that is. That we, we were talking about this guy as really nothing, not, not nothing more, but we really sort of dismissed his offensive arsenal as recent as a few years ago. I know he's worked with Kobe Bryant a lot. I know he studies a lot of Michael Jordan film. Um, he's one of the hardest working players in the league on and off the floor. Kawhi Leonard's offense has just... It, it's better than his defense now. It, it is. like it, He is one of the best offensive players in NBA history. And he's 6'7". He's about 245 pounds. He's huge up top. You can't stop him going to the rim so his efficiency doesn't fall off. He's shooting 94% from the free throw line in this series. Kawhi Leonard's offense has be in this in this playoff run has become Michael Jordan from inside the three-point arc. 
in terms of in terms of style, in terms of the way he shoots mid-range jump shots, in terms of the way he plays in the post, in terms of the volume of, of field goal attempts he takes from two, in terms of the, the way he gets to the free throw line, which, by the way, is absolutely insane. In the NBA Finals, Kawhi Leonard is, has a free throws to field goal attempt rate of .635, which means for every field goal, for every shot he attempts, he attempts almost points or, or he attempts 0.64 free throws the fact that he shoots 93% makes him basically unstoppable so Kawhi Leonard is playing like Michael Jordan inside the line shooting like Stephen Curry from the free throw line and shooting threes as well as anyone in the league There's a sequence. It's to start game four. The Warriors were up four. It was 46-42. I did a film breakdown on it on my on my Swish podcast Twitter page. It was 46-42. Kawhi comes down first possession of the second half and just pulls up, bombs away, nails a three at the top right wing. I think it was in Draymond's face. Bring Toronto within one. And Toronto was two... Before that shot, two for 18 from downtown for the game, I believe. And just struggling. It felt like they were getting blown out. And Golden State comes down. Kawhi steals it right away from Draymond. Takes a few dribbles and just walks in the exact same spot. Pulls up, hits another three. Warriors go up... or Sorry, Toronto goes up two. And the mood in the arena just kind of changed. And, and that was Kawhi Leonard being a killer. He, there's no way in hell Kawhi Leonard in 2015, maybe even 2016, could have done that on the road in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. I don't care how many guys there is. That was special. He has moments now, Kawhi Leonard, that he really, he really is in the conversation. Like, if you can make a really, really good, strong case, he's the best player in the league. You could make a really strong case Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the league. When he fin- if he finishes this championship off, which I'm going to get to the Warriors in a little bit and their chances that I think they have of coming back, I don't, I, it'll be undeniable. He'll, he's the best player in the league. So if Kawhi can finish this off for the Raptors, we got to start talking about where does he rank all time? Is he top 30, top 40, top 25, top 15? Where does he rank? Well, if he were to win this championship, you just have to look at his resume. Three-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, two-time first, one second, five-time All-Defensive Team, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, two-time champion, two-time finals MVP. Nobody in NBA history would have that. That resume. Nobody's won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards, multiple finals MVPs. Kawhi Leonard would have done it for two, two franchises, winning finals MVP. And I think his 2014 Finals MVP is a little blown out of proportion in the way it's valued. 
Because again, not not all Finals MVPs are the same. You're telling me Kawhi Leonard in 2014 was as valuable as LeBron James was in 2016, as Dirk Nowitzki was in 2011, as Duncan was in 03. Like, not all Finals MVPs are created equal. My point being, perfect example this year. Kawhi Leonard in 2019 would be a lot more valuable than Kawhi Leonard in 2014. That being said, he still has two final MVPs. Depends how you look at them. So you can't just look at a guy and say, oh, yeah, he has two finals MVPs, which to me is the most impressive award you can win in the NBA. And just automatically assume that that gives him the edge over somebody else. But if we're looking at Kawhi's resume like that, and we're looking at this playoff run, where it would rank. I think he has a legit shot at top 25 ever. To get in the top 20, top 15, I'll say to get in the top 15, he'll need f- three or four more really high-level elite seasons as a top three, top five player in the league. Because once you're talking about top 15 guys ever, it's like, you know, you're... You're at you're at that level for like twelve, thirteen years, you know, LeBron, MJ, Kareem, Magic, Bird, Wilt, Shaq, Duncan, Bird, sorry, I said Bird, Kobe, you know, you know, Durant, Moses, Bill Russell, you know, you're up the those are like guys who did it for like twelve, thirteen years though. Kawhi's really been a top five player for three May, nah, probably two, maybe three years. So, but to even have him in the top twenty-five, it speaks to how good his resume is. I'd probably have him there. You look at the greatest playoff runs ever. I've always been the uh, of the believer. Two thousand and twelve, LeBron. It'll never get better than that. It was LeBron's first title. The adversity he came, he overcame to get there. You know. Down 2-1 in the Indiana series. Down 3-2 in the Boston series. He has his greatest game ever. Down 1-0 in the Oklahoma City series, the finals. And he goes for 30-10-6 for that playoff run. And he's the best offensive and the best defensive player in the league. And he's 27 years old at the peak of his powers. And Chris Bosh went down. And really, Miami was giving big minutes to Norris Cole, Joel Anthony, and Udonis Haslam in, in, in playoff series. And it didn't matter. He had Wade there, but LeBron that year was really a, that that spring, those two months. It was just, you know, LeBron at the peak of his powers, you know, in terms of his all around game. That ninety one Jordan, the same, the the first Jordan title, thirty one six and six, or sorry, thirty one six and eight, I believe. He averaged eight assists per game in that first playoff run. Um, what again? The best offensive and defensive player in the league, totally outplayed Magic Johnson in the finals. Just took the took the reins of the league from him. That those those two playoff runs will never be topped, you know. And then you have like twenty sixteen Bron, what he did for the Cavs that year, coming back from three one, you know, twenty six ten and eight for the playoffs. Ninety three Jordan, thirty five six and six. You know, those great finals, probably, you know, the greatest final, individual finals ever played. He averaged 41, 8, and 6 for the series. Barkley was dominant. It didn't matter. You know, that that's probably my top four. That and Duncan and 03 really stick out to me as a top five, I'd say. 
Duncan in 03 did everything for that Spurs team. Um, and, and, and after that, you know, I think Ka- this Kawhi year, it, it, you really could make an argument for it with just about any other year. You know, 95 Hakeem was special. He averaged 32 a game, um, like three steals and three blocks, 14 rebounds, four assists. It was just nuts. So maybe I'd have him over there, over over Kawhi. You know, OO Shaq, the first the first Lakers title year. Shaq at the peak of his powers, the most unstoppable Shaq we've ever seen. I'd probably take him slightly over Kawhi, even though he had Kobe. Kobe was young. That was his year. And then, you know, he's still a couple other of these Jordan and LeBron runs, like 92 Jordan, you know, the last two Braun years, and even 2013 when he won his second title, Bird in 86 when he essentially averaged a triple-double for one, arguably the greatest team ever. You know, you could make a case Kawhi Leonard is having a top-10 playoff run ever. It, it would probably fall in my top 15. It, w- it would have a soft case for the top 10. And it would have to be at the bottom half. The thing is, see, again, Raptor fans, I'm not hating on you. I, I'm not. This is no. This is not. This is not me hating. This is me, a historian of basketball, a student of the game, a guy who religiously does basketball, extensive basketball knowledge, uh, homework, research. You know, th- there's been so many great playoff runs. It's just this is one of them. I'm not hating. It's been fantastic. It's been one of the best two-way playoff rounds. When you factor in what Kawhi does on both ends of the court. It's in my top 15 ever. And it's enough where if he if he wins the title, you got to start talking about Kawhi Leonard as one of the 25 greatest players ever. I think that's very fair. Especially because I know the Warriors are very hurt, and we're going to get to that in a second. But it... it I mean, come on, 31-9-4. In the finals, he hasn't dropped off at all. 31-10-4 in the finals. 26.6 game score. I mean, that game four. <laughs> that game four that Kawhi Leonard played. Man, that... 36 points. The, the fuck you shots he hit to silence that Oracle crowd. That Oracle crowd hasn't sounded like that since game five and game seven of the 2016 NBA Finals. When Kyrie Irving and LeBron James put on a show. It hasn't. It just hasn't. Kawhi shut them up. And Shane Young, who I love, really great, just fantastic, one of the best sports writers in all the NBA media right now. Give him a a follow on Twitter, at YoungNBA. He wrote a great article on it and talked about how Kawhi Leonard is the boogeyman that the Warriors never wanted to face. He got hurt in 2017 against them. Didn't play a single game against them last year. And now he's finally getting his revenge. He's put on his mask and he's walked across the bay. And he's getting his fucking revenge. I've said it, I've said it, man. Kawhi Leonard, he's like, he's like Michael Myers. You know? He's just. He's he's a fucking straight killer, man. And if you want to kill him. You want to knock him out, better shoot him in the head. This guy doesn't die. He just, the way he plays, he's so efficient. He just, he's so in control of the game. And he's got, he's really in that, you know, 
the way LeBron and Magic and Bird and Jordan and even, you know, Kobe got there at one point, they used to just control the game with their minds. You know, they just they'd kind of walk the ball up the court and back back their guy down and just like the whole arena would have their eyes focused right on them. And every player on the court focused right on them, waiting for their next move. And everyone knew who was in control of the game. And it kind of feels like Kawhi's starting to get there. You know, Simmons was talking about it on his podcast. If the four greatest forwards ever are LeBron, Duncan, Bird, and Durant in that order, maybe you flip-flop Bird and Duncan depending on your personal preference. Kawhi right now is playing at a level that only they've reached. You know, maybe maybe peak KG. I don't think... But peak KG never had this playoff run. You know, maybe Dirk. It's, you know, it's a good... I talk about the 2011 Mavs. Maybe we could compare Kawhi this year to Dirk in 2011. Or or Dirk in, in, in 06 or the 07 regular season. As, okay, he, he's a good baseline. Who is better? Well... Kawhi has Dirk's efficiency with much better defense. And he's carrying a heavier load even than Dirk did. So you can make a real argument that Kawhi's playing at a higher level than Dirk even ever did right now, which would place him fifth all-time in terms of forwards peaking in the NBA, in the annals of NBA history. I don't think he, he's playing now at a... I'm going to stop myself for a second. I got. I'm solo today, so I gotta ask myself this: Is Kawhi Leonard right now playing basketball at a higher level than Kevin Durant has ever played? I've seen Kevin Durant in the 2014 regular season average 36, seven and seven for a two-month stretch. I saw what he did to my Cavs in the 2017 Finals. I've seen Kevin Durant play at higher levels than Kawhi's playing right now. I've never seen Kevin Durant do it for a whole playoff run like this. Never. He left Oklahoma City because he couldn't he couldn't get by the Warriors. He couldn't do it as the alpha. And he had Russell Westbrook with him. He went to the Warriors and the last two rings feel very hollow. As well as he's played. He's yet, the, you look at Kawhi and he's, he's just leading a team of, you know, Toronto's not an all, another all-star on the team. And Siakam will win the most improved, but he's the only all-star on the team. I don't know, man, we just never seen Durant do that. We, we haven't seen, okay, this is, Kawhi's best playoff run will be better than Durant's best playoff run. Up until this point in time, because who knows what happens from here on out. But it really makes you wonder, man. Maybe maybe Kawhi. Maybe Kawhi is playing at a higher level than Durant ever played. Now that being said, Kevin Durant, as of a month ago, was averaging 34, 5 and 5 on 50, 40, 90 shooting splits in the NBA playoffs. And he was coming for his third straight title. And he was coming for Kawhi Leonard. It really would have been special to see these two duel on the biggest stage, man. It, it would have. I, I really wish Kevin Durant was healthy, man. It, it would have been for it would have been such a fun finals. It would have been amazing. It, it it has been a fun finals, but really you've had three blowouts. 
you know, game one, it was kind of the Siakam game. Kawhi struggled a little bit offensively. Looked like his knee was bothering him, you know, coming off a long series. But, you know, they pulled through the Raptors. Game two, you know, you're kind of feeling like same old Raptors. Game two was a classic. I won't, I won't say a classic. It was a good game. Game two was a good game. Game one was pretty fun. Game two was a good game. Clay gets hurt. It'll be known as the DeMarcus Cousins game, who actually fell off a literal cliff after game two. That was He's not ready to play. If I'm the Warriors, I just, just send him home. Don't put him on the court. He's not ready. Game three, Curry goes off. It's just a great team effort by the Raptors. They pull away in the end. And in game four, it's kind of the same thing. Clay's back, but it doesn't really matter. Kawhi's just so in, in control of everything. And the Raptors shoot 50, 40, 90 for, as a team. And I wish Durant was there, but it, it's just, it's starting to feel like the Raptors are just the better team. You know, I tweeted it. There was a sequence at the end of the third quarter of game four. Toronto on three straight possessions. It was 69-63. They came, there was about a minute and a half left. All five guys touched the ball. It ended up with Ibaka hitting a wide open mid-range jump shot to put Toronto up eight. Next possession, they come down and it's Van Vliet, Ibaka in the pick and roll. The defense breaks down. Ibaka gets a layup. They go up 10. Next possession, Kawhi gets fouled, hits two free throws. Raptors are up 12. Warriors come down and miss. Kawhi Leonard just pulls up about a foot inside the three-point line, going right on a dime. Swish, very Jordan-esque shot. <clears throat> Raptors go up 14 with about 30 seconds left in the, in the third of game four. And right there was the sequence. It happens in every NBA Finals. You know, <clears throat> in in game three of 2018, well, 2018, we knew who was the better team from game one. In 2017, it became apparent who the better team was down the stretch of game three of 2017 when Kevin Durant hit that big shot for LeBron James. Cavs came down. Couldn't score. Warriors closed it up. <clears throat> in 2016, it became clear in the final minutes of Game 7. In 2015, it happened at some point in the second half of Game 4 when LeBron started to run out of gas and Golden State was starting to exploit all of the Cavs' weaknesses. In 2014, it happened in the first half of Game 3. I have never seen a team play better basketball than the San Antonio Spurs did for that one half. In 2013, maybe that's the one exception. I'm still not sure who the better team was that year. Probably the Heat. I guess maybe the, the final waning minutes. You could argue it happened when the Spurs melted down in Game 6 when it became clear that maybe Miami was just better. I don't know. My point being, there's a sequence in every finals when it becomes clear who the best team is or who the better team is. It was clear at the, the final two minutes of game four. Toronto's a better team. Toronto is the better team. 
And I don't see how anything changes for Golden State. If Durant can't come back, the series is over. It's going to be over in five. The Raptors are just three and a half point favorites for game five, which tells me that, you know, everyone or a lot of people still have a lot of belief in this Warriors team. But I don't see how this changes. If Durant can't come back, and even if he does, I mean, the Raptors are just better. You look at, okay, so now we're going to get into the Warriors a little bit. In this series, they're giving 59 minutes per game to Quinn Cook, Sean Livingston, Jonas Jarebko, Alfonso McKinney, and Jordan Bell. A lineup that probably would have won, struggled to win 10 games in the regular season. They're giving 59 minutes per game to combined. And combined, that lineup, not that lineup, but the group of five is shooting 30% from the field. Not a single guy I just listed is playing even below average NBA defense. The Warriors are extremely top-heavy. And they, this is the risk you run when you have the most top-heavy team in NBA history. You have Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson as your three best offensive options, three of the greatest offensive players ever. One of them goes down. How do you replace them? Oh, let's put Quinn Cook in the game. Let's put Alfonso McKinney in the game. It, the Warriors were not built to withstand injuries to their top guys. And it's showing it's not just on the offensive end. Defensively, their defensive rating of just under 116 in this series would be last in the NBA, and it's the worst in a single series in the Steve Kerr era. Um, Curry, as good as he's been, he's averaging about 33-5-5 and for the series. He's been absolute... He's just been a train wreck defensively. I've, I've watched the film. His, his, the way he gambles for steals... And his foul trouble hasn't even been the problem, but his foul trouble in the past has been just one of his worst, arguably his biggest weakness, because in big playoff games, he just totally loses his rhythm by getting in foul trouble. Has been the case this series. But the way he gambles for steals and his off-ball, he just really falls asleep a lot, and he, he's, getting, he's getting kind of bullied in this series. For all the great he gives you offensively, I think Toronto's kind of okay because... The more of a load that Curry has offensively, the more it takes away from him on the other end. And it, it just, it really, his negative defense has offset a lot of his offense in the series. Now, him and Clay combined, I know Clay missed a game. <clears throat> They're averaging 58 a game between the two of them, okay? On 46, 44, 92 shooting splits. It's not like, you know, Steph and Clay have played poor. It's been, Iguodala's been awful. Nor, I don't think he's healthy. I think he's about 80% healthy. But he's been awful. Looney got hurt, and he came back for game four. I, I don't know how. I don't know if he flew to Germany overnight. But he came back for game four, looked awful. Cousins, as I said, he's playing himself out of the contract. It's terrible what happened. I feel awful. Achilles injury. The I mean, the quad injury. We're talking about a guy who a few years ago was averaging 27, 13, and 6. Before tearing his Achilles. It's just, I, I, I love Boogie Cousins, and it's sad to see how far he's falling. He's shooting 30% from the field this series. 
you know, and Livingston's just so old. He, he's going to retire at the end of this series. It's really been the other guys sucking for Golden State. They really need Durant, you know, and his production. The 34 a night on high efficiency you're going to get from him would go so far. And it's just having Durant on the floor really means you, you don't have to play McKinney and Cook all these minutes and Jonas Jerebko, who's shooting 26% in the series. Um, the Warriors need KD. They're, they're not winning without him. I originally said Warriors in six, assuming Kevin Durant would be back for game four. Um, if Kevin Durant was healthy from the start, I would have said Warriors in five, possibly. Probably Warriors in five. If I knew Kevin Durant was going to miss the entire series, I would have said Warriors in seven. I was wrong. I thought the Warriors were slightly better than what they've shown, even without Kevin Durant. And I thought the Raptors weren't as good as what they've shown. Toronto Raptors are a really fucking good team, man. I talked about it earlier in the pod. You know, this is a fucking... They're built like a championship team. Kawhi's peaking. It's just... It's all coming together for him. Nick Nurse having the coach... Just for a rookie, what he's done, it's unbelievable, man. The Warriors talk about the toughest teams they... They've had to face in the Kerr era. They always fail to bring up the Cavs teams, even though the 2016 Cavs, you know, kind of beat them and were the only team until now who's beat them. They had the greatest player ever at the peak of his powers. You know, whatever. But they always bring up 2016 OKC as the toughest team they had to defend. For whatever reason, it was just. The combination of Durant and Westbrook, their relentless length and attacking and athleticism and penetration, it just it created so many problems for Golden State defensively. I think this Raptors team is probably now the toughest team that, other than the 2016 Cavs, the, the Warriors have had to face. The, or the, They probably give... No, the 2019 Raptors give them more problems than the 2016 Cavs did. I would like to see what happened if Durant was healthy, but... This Raptors team, you want to compare it to that 2016 OKC team. I think OKC was a little more talented. They beat a similarly built Spurs team that year. Well, for whatever reason, the Raptors just give them more trouble. But it leads me to this. If Kevin Durant can't come back for the series and the Warriors lose... What the hell does he do in free agency? Because it makes the option of coming back to the Warriors a lot more enticing. A lot more enticing. You know, now we know that the Warriors can't win without him. Or at least can't beat the, couldn't beat the Raptors without him. They're, they're clearly not better without him. That being, that, that's what I should say. They're clearly not better without Kevin Durant. So does he return and come back and they win another title and then he leaves the year after and he can just say, oh, we never lost a playoff series with me healthy. I'm the best player in the world. Whenever I'm healthy, I'm gonna wherever I go, I'm going to win the title. 
is that more enticing for Kevin Durant than going to take a gamble on, let's say, the Knicks, hoping they sign another free agent and make the right moves to bring in another star and maybe have it work out where he's going to be the best player and it's all going to fall on him and he might not win a championship next year. If, he, if Kevin Durant returns to the Warriors, they're the favorites next year, no matter what. <clears throat> no matter if, if Clay Thompson leaves in free agency, if Kevin Durant returns, the Warriors will be the favorites next year. So Kevin Durant needs to ask himself, what do I want? I'll, I'll be 31 years old in September. I'll be 31. I'm still, I still got a few years left in my prime. I'm still the best offensive isolation scorer of all time. Nobody can stop me. I'm 6'11 with a 7'6 wingspan with a handle of a two guard. I can pull up from 33 feet away. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a two-time champ, two-time finals MVP. Real strong case I can make as the best player in the world. You know, what, what, what do I do? What do I want? What the hell do I want? I have no idea what Kevin Durant wants. I don't think anybody does. I don't think Kevin Durant does. If Kevin Durant on July 1st is in a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies and somehow they convince him that John Morant who they've just drafted at number two overall is the next coming of of Penny Hardaway and Magic Johnson mixed into one. And from day one, he's going to, you and him, guarantee us a championship. Like, who's to say Kevin Durant doesn't just say, oh, okay, that's cool, I'll try that. Yeah, that's different. I have no idea what Kevin Durant's going to do. What Kevin Durant should do is go to the Knicks. Kevin Durant should go to the Knicks. Kevin Durant should recruit, but not recruit another superstar. Recruit, build his team the way Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors are built. Really good. Uh, more, fill the roster out with depth and your two to seven guys. You know, Maybe your two to three guys are borderline all-stars. Very effective. But your four to seven are really, really good as opposed to being top-heavy. And you are the undisputed leader of that team in New York, a, a, such a, a sorry basketball city for the last 45 years. And you lead them to a title as the guy on your own with Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris as your second and third options. And you fill out the roster accordingly. Mitchell Robinson stays. Maybe you trade the draft pick for Bradley Beal. I don't know. That would be the best thing for Kevin Durant's legacy. Doing that and winning a title. Contending for titles. Because if he were to win in New York, as the guy for that city, in the way that Kawhi Leonard is doing it now for the Toronto Raptors, I mean, you're, you're talking, you're, Durant would be right up there. Right up, outside of like, Michael, LeBron, and Kareem, you know, Durant would have a case against anyone in NBA history. 
So that that to me, Kevin Durant should go to New York. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, man. I have no idea what he's going to do. I think a lot of it depends if he comes back in Game Five and the Warriors win three straight and they win the title in three peat. Then I think he should just come back because at that point you've proven to everybody that the Warriors need you and you're the you're the best player on the team, the best player in the world, and you just three-peated. And now that you've proved that, you can go do something nobody else has done since the 60s. And that's when four straight titles. And that would enhance your legacy more than going to take a shot with the Knicks off a of three-peat. I'm excited for the summer, man. But, man, this series... This series has been fun. And it's not only Durant with free agent implications, you know. It's it's Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard. Are we sure Kawhi Leonard's staying in Toronto? Toronto fans that tell me every single day that Kawhi Leonard is staying because of a gut feeling. Because he bought real estate because he bought a house with 13 bedrooms and six floors and then an hour later you'll tell me this guy drives a 97 Chevy Raptor fans you should make me sick sometimes that being said I still think Kawhi Leonard's a clipper I still think Kawhi Leonard ends up a Clipper. Um, they have a team that would be built very similar to how Toronto is now. You have your energy big guy in Harrell, um, who who they'd likely keep. You know, a relentless penetrator in Shy Gilgis Alexander, Lou Williams is Fred Van Vliet off the bench on steroids. You know, they'd have to move a few guys around. What I'm saying is the Clippers would have. Room for Kawhi and another free agent with an already deep roster, a great head coach in Doc Rivers. Jerry West, a phenomenal GM. They're in L.A. He also has real estate there. Two houses, to my knowledge, actually. It would would just make sense for Kawhi to do that. The way he talks about Toronto in his interviews, I I mean, I know his interviews are fucked up. They are. Like, it's fucking weird. Believe me, it is. The way he talks about Toronto, he kind of just refers to them at, at... is just Canada. He doesn't really take much interest. You know, I don't know. He's a weird guy. I just think he ends up a Clipper. I'd love to see him as a Laker playing alongside LeBron James. That would be basketball haven. My dream scenario is Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson both sign with the Lakers. That would be the most beautiful basketball we've ever seen in our lives. Maybe even more so than peak this peak Warriors dynasty. Um, the, the way that Leonard and, and LeBron, their athleticism and their high IQ, LeBron's playmaking with Leonard's slashing ability, nobody would be able to score on them. You factor in the way Clay Thompson would work off these guys, just find open space and just shoot threes. He would likely lead the team in scoring, to be honest. It would be, it would be basketball supernova. That's my dream. My dream off-season scenario, seeing those three guys end up together. Do I think it happens? No, I think Clay's going to re-sign. <clears throat> I think he wants the max, but I wouldn't rule out Clay Thompson to the Lakers. I think that's more likely than Kawhi to the Lakers. To me, the Lakers are the only other option for Clay Thompson, whereas it's either 
the Clippers, Raptors, Lakers, or Knicks. Maybe the Nets are a super dark horse for Kawhi Leonard. There, there's more options. A lot of what happens the rest of the way out in this series will determine the future of these players. Um, now, again, I think it's over in five with no Kevin Durant. I've watched a lot of basketball. Toronto's just better. I uh, I actually think the odds of Game 5 being a blowout are a lot higher than the Warriors winning. That is being a blowout in favor of Toronto. I do. I, uh, I don't see... I don't see how Golden State, unless they have another... Which is possible. It would take Curry and Clay going for like 80 points, 75 to 80 points between the two of them. And Golden State having their best defensive performance of the series... It's going to take a lot to win this next game if, if Durant can't go. And even if he can, if he's even 75%, you know, does it just take them out of the flow of their game more than anything? So, a lot of questions. I uh, gut feeling, I, I think Durant's played his last game this season. I, I don't think he's coming back. I think he would have been back by now. I think he has some, the, the injury's worse than what they've been leading on. It's, it really does feel like a smokescreen. This has to be a tear. If it was a strain, you, you, you have to think Durant will be playing through it, um, especially after five to six weeks. I know it's a bad injury and free agency is looming, but, I mean, it's Kevin Durant. This guy goes out here, and if he tore his Achilles, knock on wood, 29 teams in the league would be lining up to give him a max contract. You know? So I, I think the injury's worse than what it is. I don't think he's coming back. And I think Raptors minus 3.5 is a great bet for Monday. I think it's over. If Durant, assuming Durant doesn't come back, I think the series is over in five. Even if he does, we're at the point where it might be too late. Um, and just before we wrap things up, I want to look at the, if this is the end of the Warriors dynasty. <clears throat> over the last five years, this team has gone... 398 and 115 for a 78% winning percentage. So that's, that basically equates to a 64, per, 64 win season on average. It's the highest ever over a five year period. If it is the end, they'd have won three titles in five years. You know, between Steph, KD, Clay, Draymond, that's four Hall of Famers for sure, maybe five with Iggy. You know, that 2017 team, which was probably the best, was probably the best basketball team I've ever seen in my life. You know, they just totally torched what I thought was a fantastic 2017 Cavs team in the finals that year. It was Durant and Curry basically at the peak of their powers. Draymond a little younger, Clay a little younger, the bench a little deeper, and uh, the league maybe a little weaker at the time. They just dominated it. They won 67 games. That was probably the best team I've ever seen in my life. Um, the 2016 team obviously broke the wins record for the regular season, had the unanimous MVP, just couldn't get it, couldn't finish the job. There, there were a few minutes away. In game seven, they just they really should have won the title that year. It was just LeBron's greatness 
and and a bit of a Draymond suspension. I don't think that would have mattered though. I think LeBron and Kyrie when they came five even with Draymond playing, and then twenty fifteen really, they probably. You really feel if even Kyrie was healthy that year, but if Kyrie and Kevin Love were healthy that year, the the Cavs were winning the title. Okay. But nonetheless, the the Warriors that year won sixty seven games. They won the title. So, and then last year's team won the title, swept the Cavs, beat a 60, like a really fucking good, a really fucking good Houston team without home court advantage in the West Finals. Yet, you know, the entire 2017 team basically just a year older. And then this year, fully healthy, it's tough to see them not winning the title if they were healthy. You know, you can make a real case that the Warriors should have won the last five titles. Or they could have had health not been an issue. Had suspensions not been an issue. It's probably the best five-year run in NBA history. Even if they lose this title. And uh, it's enough that in the last five years, I've gone from having Stephen Curry in the same all-time discussion as we have a guy like hmm I'd say I talked about Steph Curry as a borderline Not I didn't even think about him in an all-time discussion in 2014 I'll put it that way he didn't even have an all-star appearance until 2014 in the last five years he's gone from me not thinking about him at all to a real strong case for set he's the second greatest point guard ever he has a case for the greatest point guard ever he's probably a top 20 player ever if they find a way to come back from 3-1 and he wins finals MVP is a legit case at top 12 ever that Clay's become a Hall of Famer in 5 years so is Draymond Iguodala, I'd vote him in. He's had so many big moments. He plays so well in big games. Steve Kerr has just strengthened his case to be on the NBA's Mount Rushmore. Of just, you talk about, you know, if if the NBA was run like a mafia, and there were a few guys at the top, the Dons, the uh, above the Kappa regimes, you know. Above the con, the guys making it, the guys at the top, the guys who've been there the longest, who've seen it all, who've won the most. You know, the NBA's version of that would be like Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, Red Auerbach, and now Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr has been to the last five finals, won three of them. In San Antonio, he went to the finals in 2003. In Chicago, he went to the finals from 1996 to 1998. Was Steve Kerr on that 99? He might have been on the 99 Spurs team as well. It's something crazy. Steve Kerr has had a hand in like... Something like the 23 of the last 28 NBA finals. It's something fucking crazy. He's going to be right up there. What he's done the last five years, it's one of the greatest five-year coaching runs in NBA history as well. 
I thought he juggled he's juggled his minutes and guys and the system he's brought in is just it's changed basketball. And um, but looking ahead on this Warriors team, the only guys who will for sure be on the team next year are Steph, Draymond, and Iggy. Those are the only guys who are will for sure be on the team. Durant won't opt into his player contract. You could make a case if Golden State does go out in five and Durant walks. You could make a case that they let Clay walk and start to rebuild. You could you could make a case for that. Because if, if Durant's gone, it's tough. Even if they bring back Clay, there's no guarantee they win at all. They're already so far over the luxury tax. Do you fill out the roster with more talent? Do you do you divide Clay's thirty-five million a year average annual salary into three different wing players? You know, do you give ten million of that to Brooke Lopez? You know, do you do you give twenty million to Chris Middleton and that? You know, what do you do? Do you just build around Steph and Draymond for the future? There's a lot of questions. And then 2020, Steph's the only guy under contract. They want to give Draymond to Max. There's a lot of questions with this Warriors team. Um, And looking ahead to 2020 free agency, right now the best unrestricted free agent is probably Kyle Lowry. So there's a lot of questions. A lot of answers, or a lot of questions to be answered. A lot of a lot of answers that we'll have after Monday night. But the Toronto Raptors are one win away from an NBA title, and I gotta say, man, it is great for what they're doing for the for not only Toronto but the country, Canada. The exposure that they're bringing is awesome, man. I'm so happy as a guy who's trying to grow his show and grow my career. Um, to, for Toronto to be doing this and bringing the national limelight, the spotlight, onto the country and into the city, it's just amazing, man. I, I love for Kawhi Leonard to stay around. He's great for this community. People love him. The game is growing so much here. And there's so many great players throughout the high school rankings right now coming up through Canada, through Ontario. That are just as good as anywhere in the world. You know, Canada's a hotbed, and right now we're getting the exposure we need. A lot of that's coming from Toronto, the Raptors. It, it's fucking, it's it's fucking great to watch, man. Um, Raptors fans, listen. I don't hate you guys. I've explained myself enough. You're just a little delusional with your takes, and hearing some of the shit you you said about LeBron the last three years, four years. It, now like the cocky front runners it's just like a lot of you have recently hopped on the bandwagon that's fine it is a nationwide celebration but for the basketball junkies like me i'm just letting you know i know what's going on so um i'll be very happy if toronto wins if and when i think it happens monday i'm gonna hop all over the minus three and a half I'm going to hop all over them. I think nothing changes. The Raptors are going to win it all, man. It's 2019. We're ending the decade with the Toronto Raptors winning it all. Who would have thought after all the playoff struggles with the the last three years, LeBronto 
everything that's happened, the, Dwayne Casey being fired, DeRozan being shipped away, uh, the turmoil this team's experience for how far they've come and now to be one win away from an NBA championship. It's great for the city, great for the franchise, great for the sport. Adam Silver, you should be happy as hell as to how good the Toronto Raptors have played all year. Kawhi Leonard, I call him Michael Myers. He's coming, and he's going to stick that knife right through the heart of Golden State tomorrow night, Monday night, and I think he ends them. This is it. The Raptors are going to win it all. I can't believe I'm saying it. You know, growing up, the purple dinosaur jerseys. I actually like just the, the plain purple, black, and white even better, to be brutally honest. Those were the nicest jerseys in NBA history. Um, it's all worth it now, man. So, um, go Raptors. This series is not over. Golden State's very dangerous. Durant comes back. And even without him, they could explode, but... I think the Raptors are getting it done. Um, we're going to wrap it up. It has been episode 22 of the Swish Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Schmall. It was a solo mission tonight. Colin Han briefly came in, came back to say hi. Uh, we'll, we'll be back for more after game five. Thanks for listening.